listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. and welcome back to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Susie Lolly and I'm here with Carol Whitaker. Yes and we are your co-hosts for this lovely show that guess what everybody has just passed its first year anniversary. Now Carol was a lonely girl last month and she recorded all the episodes by herself so I didn't get to say on here congratulations. It's very exciting to have something go out into the world and have it sustained for a whole year. So it's technically October when you're hearing this episode, but August 23rd was the one year anniversary of the podcast. So that's very exciting. Well, tonight in honor of something that perseveres as if as this podcast and as the blog has done since Carol's been writing it, um, we're here to talk about perseverance and we're going to talk about um, that in light of, of course, physical exercise just a little bit. Don't worry, we won't stay on that topic too long. If you're like me and you've just seen a nutritionist this week and you're not feeling very perseverant at the moment, <laughs> but uh, we will be talking about that in the light of God's word, of course. And so, Carol, go ahead and just kind of introduce this topic of perseverance for us. Right. Well, I'm right there with you with not exactly being the athletic type. And I do do a little exercise because it's necessary. Right. Um, I'm nearing an age that I really don't want to disclose at this point. (laughs) But when it comes to disciplining myself to even do the little I do do, it's, it's quite an effort. But we are talking about perseverance. And we are talking about how in the Christian life, that even though we do have God's grace, we don't have to earn our salvation, we don't have to work for his love, that there are things that we do have to do in the Christian life as far as, um, you know, getting, um, setting aside time to read his word, um, persevering through different trials. There are tasks that we, you know, need to do that God has ordained for us to do in advance. So, All of those things take a certain amount of discipline and we may just find ourselves just like if you start an exercise program or you're trying to eat healthier, Mm -hmm. you might start off all motivated (laughs) and then as you get into trials and as, you know, months progress, it does get a little bit more difficult. So just like in our spiritual walk, um, we are called to persevere through difficulties and we're going to be focusing on a passage from 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 6, where Paul is writing to Timothy in this passage, and he's really encouraging Timothy to persevere in his ministry. Mm-hmm. And it's written to Timothy, but it is applicable for all Christians. We can take away so many great nuggets of truth. And Paul was really, um, at this time, awaiting execution. He knew that he was you know, going to be executed. And so these are kind of his final nuggets of wisdom he's passing along to Timothy and we can take away where he's exhorting him to persevere and endure as a minister of the faith. So I want to just read the passage and then we'll talk about a few things regarding it. It says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive the share of the crops. Okay, so you know you're going to talk, kind of break that verse down, you know, for us. But you're, you know, you mentioned here, Paul mentions here that the Christian life is not going to be easy, and so as we are hearing this letter to Timothy, who is younger in the faith, 
those of us who certainly don't have all the experiences of Paul can take a lot of wisdom away from that as well. So tell us the first thing that we should learn from that passage. So the first thing we can learn, I'm just going to kind of break up some important lines from it, is that Paul says no soldier um, gets entangled in civilian affairs. Now, he's using a picture here, and he actually uses three pictures in this passage. He's talking about Christians, but he uses this analogy of a soldier. And he basically says that as Christians, we have to stay focused on our calling and not allow ourselves to be distracted. Um, there are other things that can take our energy away from our ultimate task, whatever God has given us to do. Of course, as Christians, there are some things that, you know, we all do, which is read the word, we serve others, you know, we can go to church. Those are all things we should do. But then there are also specific things that we feel that the Holy Spirit is has specifically designed for us to do. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, um, what we're doing right here is something God has called me specifically to do, mm. um, is to, you know, do a blog. We now have a podcast. Um to really, you know, me personally is just to write about some of the, you know, lessons God has taught me in the area of self-worth. Um, but we all have those specific things that God calls us to do. And soldiers, um, if we think of soldiers, they are required to be very disciplined yeah. in how they do their job. They can't, you know, walk around on duty in flip-flops and dread <laughs> dreadlocks um they have to have a certain haircut they have to have you know a uniform that is up to coat you know regulations or whatever um they have certain physical fitness you know requirements um and they are expected to be obedient to their commanding officer they have to go where they're told to go mm -hmm. and they don't get to just do whatever it is they want to. I mean, when you list in the military that they basically sort of own you for the time that you've committed and um, you have to do what they tell you. So as Christians, similarly, um, we have a commanding officer as well. Right. And he's Jesus. And what Paul is telling Timothy in this passage is that um, just like a soldier can't allow himself to get distracted by civilian affairs he has a duty to mm -hmm. his country to um to to the service um we as christians have a duty to christ and that we can't allow ourselves to get distracted by just some of the life things that will take us away from our ultimate calling and that's not to say that um we can't do normal things like pay our bills and mow our <laughs> lawns and cook and you know, watch movies, and it's not saying you can't do any of those things. It's not saying you have to be a robot and live this rigid life where you never enjoy yourself, you never have rest, you never have downtime, you never take a vacation. It's not saying that. What it is saying is if those things are consuming your time to the point that you don't have time for the things that God has called you to, then we then then those things need to be evaluated and pruned away, basically. I think it's definitely having an awareness and an accountability, you know, even though we can't see God. Um, and, and maybe people who are in the service, I know your husband was, you talk about that a little bit in the in the post that goes with this, but, you know, 
maybe you don't always see your commanding officer. They're not sitting there staring at you. But there's an awareness that I'm not just, you know, I don't know if you, about you, but sometimes I've come out of like a stupor almost is what I call it, like a social media stupor. I've been scrolling through my phone and I didn't even realize. Like I went on Facebook to do a purposeful task, like message somebody. But instead I've liked 300 pictures of 300 people's kids that I don't even know, you know, kind of a thing. And there's not even, even an awareness of, of how I almost I'm budgeting my time. And there's not an accountability that, you know, we can enjoy things, but is that really what I meant to spend my hour doing? Like, is surely there has to be something more enjoyable that also could produce some good fruit or, you know, that would be aligned with God's purpose for me. And so I think it, it really is important, like you said, like Paul said, as a good soldier, you know, um, that we're going to we're going to be focused on what our time is, is being spent toward and not wake up in a daze and say, oh, wait, did I mean to spend three hours watching that binge, you know, <laughs> on Netflix or whatever it was? Um, there's something else that, you know, Paul says in his writing that you want to kind of go into, and it says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Let's talk about that. Right. So Paul switches from his soldier metaphor that he's using to one of an athlete, and we are told that we will not receive a crown unless we compete according to the rules. And again, I think he's just encouraging Timothy in this passage that, again, to run with perseverance the race that has been set before him as a minister of the gospel that an athlete um so for instance my husband's a runner he doesn't compete in marathons but he um kind of sets goals for himself for a week which is really funny Mm -hmm. because he was telling me the other day that he runs so he runs about three to five miles at a time right for one you know he runs a couple mornings a week and he'll run up to you know four or five miles at a time and he's running about 20 miles a week and he told me that his goal, he'd really like to get up to 40 miles a week. Oh, and I'm thinking oh. in my mind, <laughs> I have not run 40 miles in my entire life. In Cumulatively. Fact, yes. Not one week, but my entire like life. Yes. Um, and I'm thinking back to high school PE where they did like, we had to do like the forced one mile run. Yes. And so I might, maybe I have six or seven miles, <laughs> you know. Um, as far as how much I've actually run. Yes. Now I do like aerobics and I do that. And so there, and I do like a two mile Mm -hmm. with aerobics. So, but that's not actual running, (laughs) but it was funny to me that he was saying that because my jaw was just like, who are you? Are you an alien? He did used to be in the military. So I think the running thing, and he also was an athlete in high school. So he, he's always been a runner. (laughs) Right. So where were we going with this? Okay. So an athlete, let's say an athlete is preparing for a race or an athlete is preparing to compete in the Olympic Games, that um, they have to do certain things to prepare for that race. They have to have perhaps a special diet. Um, They have to be able to train, you know, several hours a day, especially if they're competing something like the Olympic Games. You don't just show up. Right. I mean, you really have to prepare build up the endurance. Um, And so they're really disciplined in how they approach, you know, whatever event they're going to uh, be competing in. And similarly, it says here in this passage that the Christian life, again, we don't approach it with just this laissez-faire kind of attitude um, of, you know, apparently there were some attitudes in the day um, where some people just were like, okay, I'm a Christian, but I just kind of live my life the way I want. that we compete according to the rules, that we attempt to run the race according to the way, you know, God would want us to. And um, it's not just, you know, um, 
we don't just get to do whatever it is, that there is some discipline. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 25. Do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So it's just it's this idea of persevering. Um, so that could mean a couple different things. It could mean getting up maybe early in the morning to do devotional instead mm-hmm. of the three hours on social media <laughs> yes, or something. Let's reallocate those. Um, it, it just can mean something different. It could mean um, stepping out of our comfort zone and witnessing to someone when it'd be easier to to go past it's you know or maybe we're in a hurry and we're stopping it's those intentional things it's not earning god's favor it's not just running around randomly but it's really just saying okay what are some things god wants me to do what are some ways that i can be disciplined in my spiritual life just you know and and really persevere through the the trials that are part of the christian experience Absolutely, and I love what it says after that. And I know you're going to share it in your post. So we want to remind you guys we don't we're not just talking about random topics, but there's a whole blog. It's called BeulahGirl.com, and a lot more detail and and you know research citations and everything uh, are there. But the scripture that follows what you just read says, "Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize." You know, what we're doing right here is actually very risky um, because the Bible says, let there not be many teachers because teachers are going to be held even more accountable. Anybody who teaches God's word is judged more harshly because we're the ones claiming to, you know, know this thing, proclaim it to the world. Not that we're perfect, but um, I love where he says that if if we ourselves, the ones who are, are giving this message, but also you who are listening, if we don't discipline ourselves, we've told other people to get disciplined, you know, maybe you're a parent you've told your children you need to clean that room or you need to quit eating sweets <laughs> you know you find them in the corner with the bag of oreos which would be my husband not any children we have but um anyway you know we we sometimes say these things to other people but he i like what he says here it's a really kind of a sobering message he says you know i need to make sure that i'm also disciplining myself so that i don't get to the judgment seat of christ which you're going to talk about crowns in a minute but you know i don't get to the judgment seat of christ and realize oh my gosh i was doing all this stuff and i lost my own soul you know i i disqualified myself i think that's really important to acknowledge as well right and real quick before we go to the next point you mentioned crowns um when it's talking about crowns at the judgment seat of christ there are two um that um really when it comes to like exercising self-discipline enduring through trials i mean there i think there are a total of five crowns that you can earn but um one is the imperishable crown for people who exercise self-discipline so it's there's literally like a crown mm. that can be bestowed on you for I win. <laughs> and that i think also when just doing some study is is really um it's not like in your own strength but it's it's disciplining yourself and having self-control and really winning the war against sin, you know, with the mm-hmm. help of Christ. But it's that willingness to, you know, we all have those personal sin battles that can get the best of us if we're not we're not careful. And then another crown um, that I think is kind of along these same lines is um, the crown, let's see, let's see, my crown of life. And that's for those who endure trials, testing, and persecution. It talks about that in James one twelve. So I'll have those both up on the articles if you're interested in those. Um, no. There are other crowns as well, but those were two that along this kind of idea of disciplining yourself, of enduring in the Christian walk, that there are actual crowns that, you know, when we get to the judgment seat, um, God's going to evaluate our life and say, okay, 
you know. And they're not limited. Rewards. Like the one time I was in a pageant in fourth grade and only one girl got the crown and it daggone was not me. <laughs> <laughs> and she um, still remembers. Obviously. I still remember because I was terrible, but somehow thought I would get a crown. So in the Christian walk, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to live contrary to the rules and then think I'll still get a crown. I think that's yeah. kind of deep. Um, anyway, so the final point that Paul makes that you wanted to kind of expound on was it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. And that one wasn't really obvious to me what it meant, so I'm kind of glad that you explained that here. So go ahead for us. Right. So the last picture that Paul uses, so we have the soldier who um, doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs. We have the athlete who competes according to the rules and doesn't just, you know, fall out of the race because he's tired. And then we have the hardworking farmer. And so the other way that, that Paul illustrates how we should approach the Christian life is that just like the soldier and athlete, a farmer is somebody who has to work really hard at what he does. If he's going to have a crop, if he's going to have a harvest, he has to work at it. And so similarly as Christians, again, this doesn't mean we are earning our salvation. It doesn't mean we're striving like we're, God, look at what I can do for you. But it does mean that the work that he has given us to do, we, we have to work hard at it. Mm -hmm. um, if we look at Jesus um, in his ministry in the Bible, he was often very tired. He had to withdraw sometimes just to get some rest, but he you know fell asleep in the boat. He was sitting down for a drink when he was talking to the woman at the well. I mean, it was exhausting. Mm -hmm. And ministry can be extremely tiring and exhausting. And when I say ministry, I don't mean that you necessarily have to have a job working as a pastor or working in a church that when you walk with Christ, that you will have some kind of realm of influence or ministry that God will give you that yeah. will, may look a little different for each person. But if we expect to see a harvest or we're expecting to reap um, and even benefits in our own life, then we have to do those things that take hard work. So just like a farmer's out there, he's cultivating the soil, he's protecting the crop from insects, he's making sure it's watered. Um, to ensure a, a good har harvest. Um, similarly, we're going to have to put in the work. And there is this principle in the Bible that it continually talks about of sowing and reaping. So if we're not, if we're ignoring God's nudges, um, if we're, you know, we feel like we're supposed to maybe step out, maybe it's to email a person or maybe it's to talk to a person or maybe it's to start a ministry that we just haven't done yet because we're terrified. Or maybe you know this nudge to do something and we're just kind of ignoring those then we can't expect to see not only the rewards eternally like talking about crowns and so forth but just the benefits in our immediate life as far as there are the benefits of just peace and blessing when we walk according to the spirit yeah. and it's not perfection it's not um you know we will fail we'll fall but it's taking those opportunities getting back on track and um you know, and doing what we can, our end of things, because God does, we do depend on the Holy Spirit and God works through us, but there is an element where there are things we have to do. Right. And um, I just want to explain real quick, some a uh, quote I read that kind of helped. It is a little confusing how it says the farmer um, ought to be the first to share in the crops. And I love this. I read this from theologian Albert Barnes, and he says the point that he believes Paul was trying to make was not that the farmer would be the first one to partake in the crops or the fruits, but that he basically thinks that Paul was saying that he who labors, um, he has to labor first before obtaining the reward. So in other words, mm -hmm. he felt like Paul was emphasizing here 
that just the idea that if you are wanting to reap a harvest of mm -hmm. blessing and peace in your life and also just some of the rewards it talks about for the Christian life um, eternally that you're not just laying around that right. you know there is work to be done and it's hard work mm -hmm. I think a, a lot of people as it's an old-timey saying but they'll say I've been sold a bill of goods or whatever like I think a lot of people who just repeated a prayer in church and they were just like ask Jesus into your heart it's so easy yes the asking part is very easy Jesus already did the work but I think a lot of times and I wish I could remember I didn't um, you know sometimes these thoughts come to me as we're recording but I wish I could remember what minister it was but it was like in the 1800s and he would tell people if you want to be saved I want you to come back in the middle of the night and we'll pray them <laughs> because if you cannot even make a sacrifice to I guess pray how are you going to live the rest of your life when you find out that it's not all roses and raindrops and teacups and kitty cats and, you know, that some people think that they've been sold a bill of goods where, you know, ask Jesus into your heart and everything's easy after that. Well, uh, that would be nice. The godly shall suffer persecution. We're going to talk about that. This is more about perseverance. But all I'm saying is that the Christian life is one where, yes, Jesus has done all the work. He has made it possible for us to even live and breathe. Um, but we are going to then have to um, put up a good fight, you know, be a soldier, be an athlete, be the hardworking farmer to protect and do something with the gift he's given us, to take his talents and, you know, increase them instead of just hiding them under, you know, bury them in the ground or whatever happens. So what words would you give us as we finish this episode about perseverance? What would be kind of your last um, concluding advice to us? Well, this is advice to us, but it's also advice to myself. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I, I do want to just say, kind of in closing, is that whatever, um, whatever articles I write or whatever I put out there, it's like God teaches to me first, right. or teaches me even in the process of me writing the article. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much saying these things to myself as well as everyone else. But I want to just read to you that this was an article. Um, from an article on holyexperience.com, which is Ann Boskamp. She's a Christian author, blogger. Mm -hmm. um, but she had an article up there, and um, I'll put the link if you guys want to jump on beulagirl.com and see it. But I think, um, I'll read it in a minute, but I think for many of us, we want to, to do a good job with the spiritual life, but we may just feel extremely overwhelmed. That we, you know, all of these things we know are true, that we should fight the good fight, that we should be witnessing to others, that we should be serving, that we should be taking time to intentionally read the Bible, that we should, you know, listen to those nudges of the Holy Spirit. But it can be extremely overwhelming because we just have the normal things in life that are constantly pulling on us. Health problems, you know, just trying to keep our house in one piece, you know, <laughs> taking care of our families. Maybe we have parents that are elderly and taking care of them or we have children that are misbehaving right now and just trying to keep them you know on the right path and life can be extremely overwhelming and I think for many of us that we can kind of just drift without really even meaning to mm -hmm. and this is just a reminder to stay to stay focused um, but just in the last few weeks as I've been sort of praying through just how stressful my life is right now and how I'm trying to balance everything and I read this article on experience.com um, just on Ad, Ann Voskamp's site and there was this article is just about how to balance your life 
And um, I love this quote. I want to read this to you. The best advice I was ever given was to imagine, imagine that my life was a juggling act. Only some of my balls are glass and some rubber. I can drop the rubber balls and pick them up later, and they aren't any different. However, if I drop a glass ball, they are broken forever, no matter how hard you try to fix it. The key then is to determine which balls are your glass balls. Okay, so some of you are thinking, what? Rubber balls, glass <laughs> balls, juggling. But when I read that, it's like I just got a clear picture in my mind of okay when sometimes when i'm evaluating how i'm going to spend my day or am i going to stop and talk to this person i'm evaluating it based on sometimes i'm leaving i'm letting those spiritual tasks drop that are glass you know mm -hmm. like i feel nudged to talk to someone that's super important that's a glass ball there god's right. given me an opportunity because maybe i'm in a hurry and want to get home Maybe because, you know, or, you know, whatever it is that we have to evaluate in our life, or maybe God's asking us to start a ministry, but it mean leaving behind a job. Mm -hmm. Well, that job is a rubber ball. The calling God's giving us is that glass ball. It is important, you know, and our families are those glass balls mm -hmm. that are important. And so some of the things that I spend a lot of my time on, like, constantly trying to keep my house clean which is a, a, like an uphill battle <laughs> you know some of those things that I'm spending so much of my time investing in are those the most important things right or am I investing in rubber balls instead of glass does mm -hmm. that make sense yeah. am mm -hmm. I really putting those things forward and so that's really helped me because I I feel so overwhelmed sometimes Susie when I'm like okay I'm trying to do the blog thing here I'm trying to raise three kids I've got a husband who's getting another degree just the overwhelming and I'm I'm just so overwhelmed and um, so that helps me to say okay I need to put God's interests at the forefront living a disciplined life is sometimes letting some of those other things drop maybe right. my house will be messy but that person got witness to maybe um, maybe I didn't get to watch that Netflix movie I wanted to but I had that really great talk with my daughter and yeah. read them my Bible story or you know what I'm saying it's yeah. really being intentional so I think that's what this this passage is reminding us. And I think, um, you know, we'll conclude with a prayer, but perseverance is not meant to be like, well, that was depressing. <laughs> it, if you've been a Christian for more than five minutes, if you've been a person for more than five minutes, you realize that you're going to have to, you know, put your big girl underwear on, I'll say it that way, and sometimes just do the task because the task set before you not because it's like <gasps> the greatest task I've ever been given maybe that fun thing is a rubber ball that we can let drop but I will say that perseverance will always bring a blessing whether that is things that we consider spiritual or things that we consider more secular um, anybody who who runs the race you know head down focused I don't mean head down depressing I mean head down focused like you run you know um, is going to see a reward and you know the Bible is so good to tell us don't lose heart because we will receive a reward if we don't faint so I'm just pray for us that 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 word will be cemented in us God we love you we thank you God that your word is just so well-rounded it's it's the word of life of course it is um, I love what your disciples said when you said are you gonna leave me too he said they said where are we gonna go you alone have the words of life God, your word is life, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that whatever situation we're in, including times when we feel like, as Carol said, I just am so stressed. I don't know um, if my efforts are paying off in this area. I don't know if I even have any more effort to give. God, that you're reminding us all the time that we are good soldiers. We are hardworking farmers. We are athletes, and we are going to win. 
You have stored up for us a crown of righteousness, a crown of life, an indestructible crown, all those crowns that Carol was talking about and alluding to. And God, how wonderful it's going to be when we arrive at your throne one day and you say, well done, good and faithful servant. But even before that, God, we're going to see blessings in this life. Psalm 27 says, I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I would see the blessing of the Lord or the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We're going to see it here and now. It's just maybe going to take us a little effort to give there. But the great thing is that you're working right alongside us. You are the second ox in the yoke. We might be the smaller one, God, but you're helping us pull our load all the way. You're giving us the willpower, the ability to do everything that we do. In you, we live, we move, and we have our being. We thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.